I think the number one reason why people aren't able to like launch their thing or have a successful side hustle or really even scale their business the way that they need to is because they really struggle to know what is my niche. And people think that niche is their industry. Well, like I'm in fitness. That's my niche. No, 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 no. That That's a that's an industry. Even if you were to say I'm a personal trainer, well, that's a subcategory of an industry. But your niche is something very specific. It is specifically what you do within that category, within that industry that is unique and nuanced to you. And people are so afraid to do this because they think if I niche down too much, well, then aren't I going to exclude certain customers? I'm just telling you, I'm telling you, you need to niche down. And if you know that too, but you've struggled with it, I want to invite you to do a workshop style training that myself and Brock have created that literally walks you through the questions you need to ask yourself And we give you enough time to answer those questions so you can fully understand, like really drill it down and get really clear about your niche, who it is you serve, how it is you're different, what makes you unique. This is what's going to take your business, your side hustle, whatever it is to the next level. This workshop is free and it shouldn't be because it's one of the most valuable things that you can walk through. It's one of the most valuable things you can identify. You can attend this training for free right now by going to instaclubhub.com forward slash niche, N-I-C-H-E. Again, that's instaclubhub.com forward slash niche. And do yourself a favor when you're watching this, make sure you have a pen and a piece of paper and no distractions because this is a next level training. Again, instaclubhub.com forward slash niche. Dang, y'all, this is going to be a good one. This is going to be juicy. We are talking about communication between partners, like you and your girlfriend, boyfriend, spouse, whatever. We're talking about how the communication breakdown often creates problems in relationships that are because one or both parties doesn't have this skill. And it's a skill. Okay, so that's the good news. The good news is this is a skill that anyone can learn. But what makes this episode so freaking interesting is that we are going to dissect actual arguments between couples Now, a lot of these arguments are via text message, and I have screenshots. We're going to actually read. I'm going to read the screenshots to you of these arguments, and we are going to dig into your specific questions that you've sent me about the challenges you're having in your relationship around communication. We're going to cover topics like how to get your partner to open up about their feelings or how it is you can do a better job of communicating what you need or how you're feeling or how to get your partner to like actually freaking listen to you or not get defensive when you do want to share some feedback with them, how to have difficult conversations around sex or just your needs in general, like how to avoid having a complete breakdown in communication when there is any kind of disagreement. We're going to talk about those things today here on The Shaleen Show. Ooh, this is a good one. I'm so glad you're here. All right, let's get to it. Okay, well, first of all, I am having the hardest time recording this because I asked for screenshots of your arguments on my Instagram, and these screenshots are still coming in, and they are freaking fascinating. First of all, I have to give all of you major props for having the courage to send these very real very raw, sometimes just very personal and embarrassing stories, conversations, issues, like ongoing arguments. And 
I just really appreciate that you trust that I'm going to keep these things anonymous. I'm going to try to change some of the details just so that, you know, if you're listening and this is your story, your heart isn't racing because like you feel like someone could figure out it's you. I will not put you in that position. And obviously I need to say this before we start. Many of you are going to completely disagree with my opinions and the feedback that I have. And that's okay. This is just my opinion. It's just based on my own experience. I am not a therapist, although I like to pretend that I am because my best friend is one. So like, you know, I always take on whoever's identity that I'm hanging out with. Like, so if you are a detective, well, then I'm a detective. If you're a lawyer, well, then I'm a lawyer. If you're a psychologist, then I'm a psychologist. Yeah. But all kidding aside, I am not a trained, licensed psychologist, therapist, marriage and family counselor, but I sure feel like I have put in my clinical hours in the 12 years of doing podcasts on relationships. So again, today's episode is it's just my opinion, and I'm going to offer you some feedback and suggestions on ways that you can improve your communication at the end. But first, I want to get into some of the most commonly seen breakdowns in communication. And I'm going to start with this one because I got a lot that are very, very similar. And I'm going to just kind of generally describe the couples. So this is a relationship where one person is, I don't know if they're ADHD, but it sure sounds like it. Like they are forgetful or they're vague. They miss things. They forget things. They don't follow through. And so the other partner starts to feel like they are the parent and that the other person is doing these things intentionally to make them mad. And so I got tons of screenshots of these arguments where, frankly, it sounds, you would almost think if someone hadn't sent these to me and said, this is an argument with my partner, you would have thought that it was a parent scolding a child. So one thing I noticed right away is that the communication styles don't feel like two equals, two partners who respect and love each other and on equal footing talking to each other, it really sounds like one who is the parent, who isn't loving or kind or respectful, they're angry, and they have had enough, and they're scolding their partner as if they're a child, speaking to them in this way that like an angry teacher would be talking to a child who (laughs) I can't even imagine, like later on that day, feeling sexy or intimate towards this person who like... And I don't want to say that one person is more at fault than another because relationships are a system. Not only do we bring into our relationships our past experiences, our childhood experiences, our our past relationships, but when we come together, we also develop our own habits, our own systems, our own way of being, and we can fall into these habitual ways of communicating that maybe neither of us like, because I guarantee you the spouse or the partner who is having to play the role of the parent hates it, absolutely hates it. And I can guarantee you that the person who feels like they're being scolded and they're constantly in trouble and they can do no wrong, they hate the way that feels. It does not feel good. Neither of these people feel good about the roles that they're playing in this relationship, but what they are not doing is seeing each other as equals, as partners. Okay, so let me read to you just a couple of these exchanges. Okay, here's the first one. And she writes, how come you haven't put the trash cans back? Name of a child also did not feed the dragon, and I've asked him to. Husband responds, he said he did. Wife says, okay, 
but I'm still confused. Why didn't you do anything with the trash cans? Once again, I should not have to ask you if you can bring in the trash cans when you can see them with your own eyeballs. Husband, no, I forgot. That's why I had the garage door open when I came in. I'll move them. Wife, it's crazy the things that you know bother me a lot and are going to cause arguments, yet you still keep doing that. And then you wonder why I'm mad. Husband replies, I'll move them. I was. I came in and then I started talking to Susie, who was talking. And anyways, I will do it. Wife says, it's like you want to see how long I'll go before my head spins off. (laughs) That's kind of funny. Husband says, it isn't to piss you off. Not at all. Wife says, but you stopped at the house earlier. Husband says, I stopped at the house to drop off Johnny and rushed to get Susie. It was almost four, and I had to get her to dance. And then I dropped off Stephen and had to rush back to some other location. So it sounds like husband is like doing his best, like driving all over the place, right? Are you with me right now? Okay, wife says, I'm just saying, like, you know it's going to make me mad and upset. So I would just hope that you would just get it figured out so that we don't have to have this conversation every Friday. Husband says, I'll get the cans moved. I'm sorry, I'm not trying. Wife says, we are the only house that still has ours out. It should never be this way. Husband says, I was going to move them and then I started talking. Wife says, I am just tired of like asking people to feed the dog or if they've done the dishes or if they've taken out the trash or if they fed the dragon or if they started the laundry, like it shouldn't have to keep coming from me, nagging everyone. Why can't people just do their stuff and then they know because it's a routine? Husband says, no worries, no problem. I'm usually on point with the trash and I have been on point this whole year, just way more efficient. And I don't need to be reminded, but I was going to do it. I was going to move the cans. Okay, first of all, I mean, there's so many things in this text exchange. And I really want to thank the person who sent these because first of all, it's very brave. And secondly, I think many of you are going to relate to this. You are either in the role of feeling like the child that's being disciplined, or you are the partner who feels like you're parenting your partner. And I have no idea if the husband in the situation has ADHD or is neurodivergent, but man, oh man, just I feel so much empathy towards him because his brain clearly works very differently than hers. And that is how the law of attraction works, right? We attract people who often have characteristics that are sometimes the opposite of ours. But those opposite characteristics, the way that somebody else thinks about time and money and organization and all of these things, it can also drive us crazy. We're like, it's so easy to be me. Why can't you just be me? Well, first of all, you don't want to sleep with yourself. I mean, that's just not sexy. And secondly, when we expect our partners to be like us and to have our characteristics, what we're basically telling them is, I see who you are. I understand how it's different from me and I don't like it, which means I don't like you, which means you're not a good person. And how does that make somebody feel? Also, it's it's not fun for either partner 
to be in a relationship that feels very much like a parent-child relationship. It's not fun for either of them. Neither of them are going to feel sexually attracted to the other because one kind of fears getting in trouble 24-7 and the other is tired, exasperated, exhausted from feeling like they have to control, micromanage, and parent their partner. That's not fun. So the first piece of advice I have for you, if you are in that role where you're parenting not only your children, but your partner, is you have to recognize that when you treat someone like they're a child, that's what you're going to get. When you treat someone, including a partner or a child, like a child, then what you're going to get is a child. When we teach people that they don't actually have to remember and follow through on things until we get angry, then we're just teaching them that you don't have to do anything about it until mom reminds us a second and third time. If the dragon doesn't get fed, here's what I would do. I'd simply explain to the kids, hey, I love this dragon, even though it stinks and it's gross and I'm scared of it. But if the dragon isn't fed on a weekly basis, then we will run an ad in Facebook Marketplace and the dragon will find a home where its owners feed it regularly because I don't think that's fair. One of the most essential things to keep in mind when it comes to effective communication is that you've got to pull your emotions out of it. The person who has the least control over their emotions is the person who has the least amount of power and or influence. Wifey and mom in this situation is exhausted because she's taught everybody in the household that mom is in charge of making sure everyone does their things and mom is going to continually remind us. We're going to wait until mom gets irate and then we're going to do these things. You just stay very, very calm and explain your expectations in advance. Okay, but let's get back to the communication between wifey and husband. So clearly this text exchange starts off with a very scolding tone. Why have you not taken in the trash cans? Does that not sound exactly the way a mom speaks to their child? Yeah. So automatically, you're going to put your husband in the mode of being a defensive child who thinks he's about to get in trouble, not a husband to an equal partner. And I understand that you're very frustrated. So when we're frustrated, to those of you who are the parenting partner, when you're frustrated and you're sick of having to remind your partner of this thing, I want you to stop and pause Taking a pause is the second most important thing you can do when it comes to communication. Pause. Don't go with your gut instinct. Don't text or say the first thing that comes to your mind because it's not going to give you the outcome you're looking for. What does wifey want? Wifey just wants to come home on Fridays and see the freaking trash cans put away. Is it that hard? It's not that hard if your brain works that way. I guarantee you, hubby is not doing this intentionally, but wifey wants the trash cans put away. So she pulls up and she sees that the trash cans are out on the street. This is so embarrassing because the Smiths across the street are probably going to call the homeowners association. So what does wifey need to do? Take a pause and ask herself, okay, I really want these trash cans put away because when I come home and they're out, it makes me feel like we are an irresponsible homeowner. It makes me feel like I'm the only one who cares about the upkeep of our home. It makes me feel like I have to be the mom and I just want to be your wife. I want to be your girlfriend. And so let's talk about how it makes you feel, you as a person, and make it less about the trash cans and more about what it is you want to feel in terms of a connection with your partner. In that we know he's not doing this intentionally, 
how can we work with his brain to help create a system that makes it possible for him to have multiple reminders, but you can help him set those up without having to be the person in charge of him like he's a child. And with many couples, you fall into this habit of communication where one partner gets comfortable being uncomfortable, if that makes sense. Like we often can get to a place where it feels normal to have one partner who's on like ready to get in trouble, expecting to get in trouble. So then that partner will often start being more vague or omitting things, even covering things up because they don't want to get in trouble. It always feels like they're about to get in trouble. And then the partner who's playing the parenting role always feels like they have to be looking for problems. They have to be looking for these mishaps and missteps and forgotten tasks and little things. So they're looking for those things and they develop this dysfunctional system that they know it isn't working, but yet neither of them knows how to get out of it. And one of the reasons why it's so hard to get out of this particular dynamic is because of our the way our brains work, right? So clearly, I mean, I'm not an expert, but it sure sounds like from this brief texting exchange, just the way that he's explaining how it is he missed it again, one of his kids started talking to him and then he got distracted. So this is someone whose brain is very easily distracted. So it's having empathy and understanding for how that person's brain works and what systems and habits and maybe visual cues and reminders he can put in place because he wants to feel good about this. It's also recognizing that there's so many amazing things that you've got to acknowledge about your partner because people respond to praise. We do our best when we feel our best. And we don't feel our best when we're being scolded and treated like a child. And we don't feel our best when we are burdened with having to be responsible for everybody in the house, including our spouse. So they're both parties have work to do for sure. But because she reached out to me, I did suggest that she share with me some of the things that she really treasures and values about her husband. And she shared with me like these amazing qualities. Like this guy sounds like, in my humble opinion, a real catch who probably has ADHD or is highly distractible. And that's the way his brain works. But based on all the other things she shared with me that he does, you just can't sweat the small stuff in a marriage. So many of these exchanges that I read between on text messages, these are these arguments and text messages. I tell you, some of you are really, really hung up on the small stuff. And I think you need to figure out what it's worth getting angry over. Like if your wife forgets that she's married when she's out with the girls, that's a problem. If your wife forgets to take the wet towels out of the dryer and you're upset because they smell a little musty, you need a reality check. (laughs) You need to ask yourself why it is you're looking for these little things to fight over. And you need to ask yourself if they're that big of a deal in the scheme of things. What do you appreciate about your partner? What do you start by looking for those things as opposed to like finding fault and looking for things to be upset about? Why is it you're doing that? And take some time to truly understand how your partner is different. Because I'm telling you, I, I probably, probably half of the text message arguments that were sent to me 
we're over these really small things where one partner is the parent and the other partner is the bad child being sent to timeout. You know, I want to refer back to an episode that I did. I'm not even sure when I did this episode, but with Tony and Alyssa DeLorenzo, we talked about the six pillars of intimacy. And, you know, this is a really big piece to having an amazing marriage is that intimacy piece. Like it's almost impossible to have a sexual intimacy without an emotional intimacy. And I just feel like a lot of people don't even, they don't even know how to rank or how to score their, or even how to assess the intimacy of their relationships. So I really want you to go take their quiz. It's super helpful. It's going to help you understand like what's going on in your relationship. So I put the link right at the top of the show notes. Click on that. The show will keep playing and you can take that quiz. The quiz is going to give you some, probably some pretty valuable insight to help you be able to communicate on a much deeper level, like have a better connection with your partner. This is really important. Even if you aren't married yet, but you're thinking like this might be the right person, even if you've been married for 30 years, it's still possible to improve this stuff. And and by the way, it's free. So you should definitely go to that link. I highly, highly, highly encourage it. That episode with them, I'll put in the show notes too. But like take this quiz because I really think when you understand like where you fall with those six pillars of intimacy, it's going to make a huge difference. Okay, it's also super helpful to know like which area of intimacy is probably your strongest. And you can find it at six, the number six, pillarsofintimacy.com forward slash quiz. Okay, so it's the number six pillars is P-I-L-L-A-R-S of intimacy.com forward slash quiz. Again, you don't have to write that down. It's right at the top of the show notes. Take that quiz. Because so much of what we think is a communication issue is really an issue of intimacy. And I think that's exactly what's going on in this next text exchange. Okay, backstory on this. Actually, let me read you the text message exchange first, and then I'll share with you a little bit of the backstory. Okay, so wife says, in kind of like a joking fashion, it sounds to me like this was some kind of activity for a bunch of kids in maybe like a neighborhood. And so she says... They really need to close the streets. There's just too many people. And I need kidless friends. Ha, 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 ha. Too many kids. And hubby replies, can you at least try to pretend you love our child? Sad face. Wife replies, I love our child. And I'm happy we only have one. If you were here, your nerves would be tapped, honey. There are cars everywhere. It is terrifying. Hubby replies, I just feel bad for him. You tell me every day how much you hate kids, and he hears you, sad face. And yes, I'm sure I would be tapped out too. Wifey says, I say it out loud that I hate kids? Question mark, question mark, question mark? No, I'm just overwhelmed. It's like watching your child in shark-infested waters right now. I just wish you would be more understanding. Okay, so I felt like after I read that, I definitely needed a little more context to be able to understand what's going on. And you know what? That's what intimacy is about. Intimacy is understanding our partner's context. Their context is what makes them who they are. It's their past experiences and understanding how all of those things shape the way that they respond and and even the way that they communicate. So in asking her a few questions, I learned that Her partner was a victim of child abuse, you know, grew up in a very abusive household, perhaps. And wifey has ADHD. And when she expresses overwhelm, like 
for example, in that particular situation, she really wasn't saying anything at all about her child, but more so that there's there's too many kids, too many cars, and too much going on right now. I'm feeling it overwhelmed trying to protect our child. But when she reaches out to her partner to express you know, what she's experiencing or what she's going through or even any overwhelm that she has, her husband harshly criticizes her and, and accuses her of not loving their child enough. So in my opinion, my estimation, what's going on here are two people who really need to understand how to communicate where they're coming from. So hubby could probably say, to be more empathetic, I can only imagine how overwhelming that is with your ADHD and the sensory and and how much you love our child. Like, say the positive. Hubby knows, you know, if you're listening, you know she loves that child with all of her heart and soul. She would lay her life down for that child. She's expressing to you as her partner, she's hoping that you she can confide in you and tell you, not that you have to fix it, because obviously you can't fix that street wherever she's at at that moment, but she's trying to confide in you that it's overwhelming. Parenting is hard, and parenting can be very overwhelming, even if you don't have ADHD. When we have an intimate understanding of our partner's experiences and background and how things make them feel, then it doesn't feel so personal. Then this doesn't turn into an argument. Instead, this exchange could have, has the potential to turn into an opportunity to connect, to say to wifey, I can only imagine how overwhelming and overstimulated your brain must be because I know you love our child so much. It could have been an opportunity for wifey to say, I know that what I've just said must have triggered you and I'm so sorry. But when you make comments like that, you make me feel like I'm an inadequate mother. It makes me feel like you don't understand what I'm trying to do is just connect with you and share with you how my brain works and a little bit about the challenges of raising a child. I'm not asking you to fix it. And when you say things like that, it hurts me to my core because it's as if you are seeing your own abusers and me, and you can't imagine how that makes me feel. Because that's what's going on, in my opinion. Like Again, not a professional, but it sure feels like a lot of projection and hypervigilance on the part of husband, which is great. But we need to talk about this particular issue a lot, a lot more. And that takes trust. It takes being quiet, understanding, listening. And when I say understanding, not just understanding from your partner, because sometimes our partners haven't done the work. They haven't gone to therapy. They haven't worked through these things. And like, ultimately, obviously, that's the absolute best thing anyone can do in a relationship is work on yourself. I mean, I think couples therapy is amazing. Don't get me wrong. My personal opinion is it's way more effective to work on yourself with your own therapist and have your partner work on themselves with their therapist. And I'm aware that oftentimes one partner is more reluctant to go to therapy. They're like, I don't have any problems. Why do I need to go to therapy? Go yourself then. Because oftentimes just one partner getting better, getting healthier, makes the relationship a little smoother. And oftentimes you just lead by example. Like they see the positive changes. You learn to communicate better. You learn to be more empathetic. You start working through your own stuff. You stop projecting. You learn to communicate better. And even just one partner doing therapy is a win. Two partners, you're golden, <laughs> especially if you both are interested in, in being better, right? But, but even one is better than none. 
And whether or not both or neither of you go to therapy, intimate conversation, intimate communication starts with trust, with listening, without trying to fix, without trying to interrupt, and with more empathy than you can possibly imagine, like really trying to imagine what it was like for your partner starting at age, the earliest age that they can remember and thinking about all of their life experiences and what type of communication was role modeled to them and what, how were they treated as a child? How does their brain work and how were they taught to deal with conflict? Because all of these things play a huge role in how it is we communicate. A book I absolutely love I always say book, but you know I'm an Audible listener, so this is a really good Audible. It's called How We Love. Discover your love style, enhance your marriage. But this is actually a really great book, even if you are not married, you're just in a serious relationship. They also have a book called How We Love Our Kids, The Five Love Styles of Parenting. I think that would be a super helpful resource for this couple. This next one does not include text messages, but she describes what is a common communication breakdown between herself and her partner. She says they have two small children, both under the age of eight. Hubby works long hours and they just cannot get on the same page. She's constantly trying to explain to him how tired she is. She also has her own business and works from home. She's trying to explain to him how tired she is, how overwhelmed she sometimes feels, how disconnected she feels, how she like wants to you know, get back to where they were and to spend quality time together and to feel connected that she feels like they're roommates. And when they have this communication breakdown, for him, it always comes back to sex. He'll say, look, we could fix all this if we were having sex more than twice a month. And she will say, well, we would have sex more than twice a month if I felt like, you know, you cared about me and we were connected and you were listening. So this is really, this is a good one. This is really, really common. I got lots of people sharing similar versions of this. And this is about intimate communication. This is listening to your partner. Because what's going on here is she just wants to feel heard. She doesn't want him to fix it. And more than likely, in order for her to feel sexually in the mood, she needs to feel intimately and emotionally connected to him. Whereas this isn't true for all men, but for one partner, it might just be that sex feels like an intimate and emotional connection. Whereas the other partner might feel like, no, I need to feel seen. I need to feel like you care about me. I need to be caressed. I need to be listened to. And then I'm really turned on and in the mood. Yet her partner might feel like, well, if I could connect with you on a sexual level, then I would feel more intimately connected. I would I would be more invested in you emotionally. So this boils down to learning how to communicate to each other. This boils down to, again, that intimacy. And intimacy is a skill. It is a skill that is learned. And when Brett and I were first married, probably for the first 10 years of our lives, we weren't great at this. I think one partner is always better than the other. I'm not going to name names, but we weren't good at this. I didn't really even understand it. I had to read books. We had to go to therapy. We both had to work on ourselves. We had to break that down to learn what empathy and intimate communication looks and sounds and feels like. In so many relationships, what we're doing is trying to win. We're trying to be right. And we're trying to avoid rejection. We're like, as my friend Dr. Michaela says, we are all just kids, just kids wearing adult 
costumes. Like we're we're still little kids inside. So at the core of many of our communication breakdowns are our childhood wounds, our childhood experiences, our fear of rejection, our fear of getting in trouble, our need for safety, our need for peace, our need for survival. Like so much of what many of us did was to survive in the best way that we knew how. And then we bring that into our adult relationships and now we're still communicating in that way. And so many of the examples that you sent to me were very familiar because I remember early in our marriage that dynamic. For example, in in my family, my experience was that if I had an opinion, it mattered and I, I didn't need to fear expressing that. And when I would express my opinion or ask for things to be different or, you know, express my needs to my husband in his mind, because of his, again, his own background, his own experiences, he felt like he was being attacked. And so I could get like halfway through a sentence and he would get really defensive and angry, almost like like he needed to win. And he definitely wasn't hearing me. What he was doing was trying to avoid getting in trouble. I want to take just a moment to remind you how important it is to think on paper. I talk about it all the time. It's so important, especially if you're someone who's easily distracted. You need a notebook with you at all times. This is where you jot down your best ideas. When you think on paper, all of that creativity flows and it it sends that message out to the universe. It's crazy the things that you can manifest when you put your ideas, your thoughts, your dreams, your intentions on paper. Whether you're looking for a very simple to use, effective day planner, or a blank notebook to capture all of your brilliant ideas and brainstorms, the place to go is pushjournal.com. We've got blank notebooks as well as incredibly easy to use day planners. Like this is the day planner I created as someone who has ADHD who needed something super simple. We've got new designs, designs that have more blank pages, or our classic push journal with a health tracker, as well as blank notebooks that are so cool. They're so adorable. Like it literally will tell people a little something about your personality when they see you writing in this notebook. Check them all out by going to pushjournal.com. All right, back to the show. So he had to work on figuring that out for himself. And guess what I had to do? I had to do work on me too. I had to figure out through understanding him intimately how the way I said things or how I asked questions or even the tone that I used or the language that I used could trigger that childhood response. And remember, in all of these things, you just got to ask yourself, like, what is the outcome that I want? Okay. And if the outcome that I want, I'm not getting it and I'm using the same technique over and over and over and over again, as many of you told me you do, you like, you're really frustrated because I just asked this person over and over and over again and I, I don't understand why they don't get it. Well, newsflash, you're not getting it. You're not getting that by trying the same method over and over and over again and getting the same response, isn't that the definition of stupidity? Right. And that's where we were. We were doing the same dance over and over again and just thinking like if I were louder or meaner or all the things that we do in poor communication styles, that it's going to prove something or improve something. And it won't. What improves communication? Are you ready for this? If you hear this sentence, I guarantee your communication is going to dramatically improve today. What improves communication is understanding and actively listening and working to understand what the other person is saying, feeling, thinking, 
and has experienced. It's understanding. And we can't actively listen and understand and be empathetic if the moment our partner starts to speak or send a text, we're already formulating our argument. So many partners communicate like they're attorneys, (laughs) which is why you want to avoid using words like always and never. They're absolutely useless. Because when I say you never take out the trash, well, now you're going to launch into lawyer mode and cite your honor for the record. I would like to introduce exhibit A on February 19th of 2021. On this day, as noted by the photograph taken by my neighbor, the trash cans were taken in on this date. Like we launch into lawyer mode anytime our partner says always and never. You lose all credibility when you use words like always and never. They're giant exaggerations that are meant to blow communication out of proportion. They're not helpful. Active listening starts by being calm, keeping emotion out of it, thinking about what does your partner need to feel in order to hear you. Let me repeat that. Ask yourself, what does your partner need to feel in order to truly hear you? They need to feel like they're not in trouble. They need to feel loved. They need to feel understood. They need to feel forgiven. They need to feel like you accept them, that you're enough, and that you trust them. And so, like, what is your language making them feel? And frankly, like, P.S., arguments are really, really dangerous via text message. It's just, there's so much open to interpretation. We read words out of context. We, We add inflection where maybe it wasn't. There's typos that can really be quite dangerous. When it's something serious, pick up the phone and call your partner. And I, I realize like he's in a meeting and you're across town with the kids or whatever, and so it's not appropriate. But then wait until later because you're just going to make matters worse. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect, Brett and I and have definitely had huge battles via text message, and, I, and they're horrible. They, didn't, they never helped. They always made me feel good at the moment because sometimes you can say things in a text message that you would just like never say in person, but it's just not healthy. It's not a good tactic. It's not something I would ever recommend. Communication requires being silent, being patient, repeating back what your partner said, and not pointing a finger. Rather than saying, you, 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 start communication by saying, I, I love our child. And when you fill in the blank, it makes me feel, explain to your partner what it makes you feel, and then also explain why it makes you feel that without bringing them into it, right? So when you say that, I feel because, and then explain your past or previous experiences or something from your childhood or something that triggered that, that doesn't place all the blame on them. Wow. This next one, my jaw was on the floor and my heart was broken. I have to admit, just, and I think this probably happens more often than we imagine. So this gal shared with me a text exchange between her and her husband. I think she said they've been together for 13 years and it is so vile the way he's speaking to her. Her text starts off, okay, so you admitted to cheating with four other women while with me yesterday. You are not innocent. Funny how anytime you've been caught, it's my fault and not yours. 
Funny how you're never, you've never even been sorry for what you did. You just talk about how you did it. And so what? So F you for all of this. Then he writes back, oh, really? Well, you're the swear word that rhymes with door that isn't sorry. You won't even block people. Why the F are you following a teacher? Because you're the effing cheater. She writes back, well, I'm not cheating. Just what delusions you have. All the B words that you flirted with and talked to and still follow. Get off of your high horse. His reply back is, do you have an effing phone cord? I don't have one for my truck. She says, excuse the F out of me. Don't expect shit from me when you talk like that. He says, you don't get it. I've lost all respect for you. I mean, total gaslighting. She says, and I did for you when you were cheating with all of those women and then continued to, to this day. So whatever, go find a new B word to lie to and cheat on. His reply, you don't even get it. She says, I don't need to. And I I really don't need to read you the rest of their thread or their exchanges because it's just, it's vile, it's toxic, it's sad, it's abusive. I mean, both of them, the name calling and the accusations and the lack of trust. and, And as the exchange goes on, one thing that they both do is bring up things in the past. Like he's bringing up things from her past. She's bringing up things from his past. Okay, so let's just set aside all the cheating for a second. Let's just talk about bringing up things from the past. That is one of the most useless things to do in a relationship. You can't move forward if you're looking in the past. You don't move forward if you haven't worked through those things and you can forgive them and move on. And if you can't do that, then you need to go to therapy, you need to work, or you need to leave each other. If you can't get past your partner's past or what they've done to you in the past, it's either because they're not remorseful, they haven't changed, or you haven't done the work to process it and come to a place where you can rebuild and start over. I'm not going to tell any man or any woman whether they need to stay in a relationship after there's been some kind of infidelity or major betrayal, right? I mean, even gambling or a porn addiction or like hiding money, like all these things are a are huge betrayals of trust. And again, I I'm, I'm, would never tell anyone what to do because you just don't know. You don't know the circumstance. You don't know what situation they're in, all of those things. But because I've been doing this for so many years, I can tell you the one thing that has to happen is the, the betrayal, the, the party who did the betraying has to be willing to go all the way back to ground zero, to start building the relationship over. Like the trust is gone. And any partner who betrays and doesn't understand, like, no, now now you have zero. Now you have zero trust and we're starting over, doesn't get it. Any betraying partner who doesn't express extreme remorse and isn't willing to take personal responsibility without the, but I did it because you, blah, blah, blah. That's just someone who's not ready to take responsibility. And they may never. And I don't know how you make a relationship like that work unless you have to stay, which I, I don't. And again, I, I don't ever want to like pass judgment because I don't know unless I'm in, in someone's shoes, like what it means if to leave you would be homeless and your children wouldn't have a roof over the head. Like, I don't know. But I am going to say this. You deserve dignity and respect. 
Every single person deserves peace. They deserve to be treated like a king or a queen. They deserve a partner who cares about them and trusts them and would never belittle and call them names. Okay, so a couple of things, like just setting the whole cheating thing aside for a second, because obviously I told this woman, you both need to, like you need to, girl, you need to run. Run, 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 run like the wind. Run to therapy, number one, because we've got to figure out why this is acceptable, why you think you deserve this, why you're staying in this drama triangle. This is like, this is a drama triangle with three very pointy points. Like this is so unhealthy for both of them. And if there's children involved, it's you girl, you've got to get yourself well enough to believe in yourself and you've got to do it for your kids. Because I I think this, this is just my assessment, y'all. I think that he has done a number on your psyche where you don't believe that you are capable of doing all the things that you are you are deserving of someone who loves and respects and adores and trusts you and someone who you can trust. You deserve all those things. And you are capable and smart and beautiful and intelligent and you're going to figure this out and you're you're going to have to figure out how to make your own money if if that's what's keeping you stuck in this relationship, but all of that is contingent upon you believing in yourself and whether it's him or your past experiences or all of those things combined, your self-esteem has taken a hit. But you can get it back. I promise you. But you're going to have to do the work. You're going to have to prioritize it. You're going to have to buck up and you're going to have to do this for yourself and you're going to have to do this for your kids if you have kids. And you you have to stop engaging. Stop using this language with him. Stop stooping to his level and set a vision for who you want to be and what you want your life to look like and then start behaving like that woman. Don't allow people to talk to you. Don't allow him to speak to you in that way. Stay calm. Stay focused, get to a therapist or a social worker if you can't afford therapy, find a support group. So important for you to get around because so much of this has become normal for you and it's not. You deserve so much better. That one was heavy. Okay, moving on. Okay, this one I'm, I'm going to summarize. They have been together for 12 years. They are 39 and 40 respectively and She says he routinely just stops talking to her completely when she doesn't do something that he asked her to. So I said, can you give me more context? Like, give me an example of what exactly you mean. And she said, okay, he has not talked to me in over a month because they had a mix-up via text over who was going to the store to pick up a list of just random items. And when this mix-up happened, she called him and said, wait a second, you know, I thought you were going. I asked you if you needed a list. And he said, wait, you didn't go to the store? And she was like, no, I didn't. And he hung up on her. And they haven't talked since. She's called him. She's texted him. Their anniversary is right around the corner. And he's not talking to her. Okay, again, I I don't know this couple. I really don't have much context other than a couple of text messages. So I'm just really shooting from the hip. But one thing you need to understand about the silent treatment is that is abuse. There's no physical pain. There's no bruising. But research shows that ignoring and giving somebody the silent treatment actually activates an area of our brain that we associate with physical pain. The best predictor of divorce is not whether or not a couple fights or not. Like arguments are going to happen. Like people 
have disagreements. It's how you cope. It's how you communicate when there is a disagreement. Trust me, when somebody ignores you, when they don't take your calls, when they won't engage with you, especially for prolonged periods like this, are you even kidding me? That is meant to punish you, to manipulate you. It is meant to cause you emotional harm. I know that's what he's done. But do you realize that's what he's doing? This is one of the most damaging things you can do in a relationship. It decreases trust. It decreases bonding. It undermines everything that a strong relationship needs. Now, she mentions that they, have, they are not married. Girlfriend, <laughs> you can do better. You know, sometimes we feel like we have sunk costs because we've been with someone for so long. And I think society has taught us we're supposed to be in a relationship. And it's not true. You are not a more valuable person. You are not more lovable because you're in a relationship. None of those things are true. In fact, you're worse off if you're in a relationship with somebody who is making you feel less than, who is purposely causing you pain. And like, just to be clear, I'm, I'm not talking about like taking some time to cool down, you know, because th- that's different. Like if you're like, listen, I need to step away from this argument because I'm, I'm going to say something I regret and, you know, just give me a day or so to calm down. That's, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone who intentionally is giving you the silent treatment. Now, to be perfectly clear, this probably stems from something in his own past. He's learned that he can manipulate or get control, or this is how maybe he had to survive as a child, or maybe he witnessed one of his parents role modeling this. I mean, it's been a month. (laughs) It's been a month. Girl, he, he might have like a completely different relationship, and so he's looking for something stupid as often as possible to go live his other life. This is not a healthy relationship. You deserve better. Now, maybe he'll go to therapy and work on this. I would give him that ultimatum because, again, you don't have to take my advice. I'm not a therapist, but I'm just telling you, there is no way in hell I would put up with this because I respect myself and I know there's somebody out there who would not treat me this way and intentionally cause me this kind of pain. If he's either willing to work on this and is serious about repairing your relationship and restoring the trust, because this is a a real betrayal. I mean, talk, I mean, I just can't even believe that he's done this to you. I'm so sorry. You don't deserve this. You deserve much better, much, much better. Listen to, to anyone who's listening. I know you love your partner. I know you have time invested and you know Almost all relationships have the ability to get better. And when there's kids involved, I get it. It's so much harder to go, I don't deserve this. You've really got some sunk costs, if you will. And I don't know what's right for you. I would never tell you what's right or what's wrong. But I do know this. Communication is a skill. And anyone, everyone has the ability to learn new skills. Intimacy is a skill. Again, I would highly recommend if this is your issue, reach out to Tony and Alyssa DeLorenzo. Their link is in the show notes and you can reach out to them personally on their website or you can can go and take their quiz. They've also got a great book. They've been featured here on the podcast. I'll put a link to their previous interview here. It's helped a lot of our listeners. 
but it's a process and it's a skill and it's you can get there so much quicker when you have someone showing you how and leading the way and helping to keep you accountable and kind of being that mediator. So be sure to check them out and don't give up. And most of all, when it comes to communication and intimacy, you've got to drop your guard. This isn't about winning. This isn't about who's right and who's wrong. It's you thinking about like what it is you need, what it is you want to communicate, what it is you feel, and understanding that there are skills involved in learning how to make your partner feel a certain way so they can actually hear you, so they can listen actively, so they don't feel attacked, so they don't feel as though they're being punished or criticized. Instead, we all want to be heard. We all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. We want to be seen. We want to be understood. And that's a skill. And it's a skill a lot of us weren't role modeled. And it's a skill that any of us can learn. All right, you guys. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, just do me a favor and double check and make sure that you're subscribed or following if you're actually someone who listens on the Apple podcast. And if you've got just like 30 seconds, it would really mean the world to me if you were able to leave a five-star review and tell me specifically what it is you liked about this episode. My show is released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I do also have a business podcast that comes out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I host that with my son, Brock. It's called Build Your Tribe. You should check it out. There's always a link in the show notes. I'm sure you know this, but on Fridays, my episodes are very casual. It's very personal. It's usually stuff with myself and my husband. If you love that kind of stuff, I want to invite you to check out my Patreon. It's all of the Shaleen Show episodes ad-free. In addition to that, for just $5 a month, you get extra episodes. And this is this is the stuff that's like kind of too personal to put on the Shaleen Show. It, it's all personal stuff. There's like no like personal development. It's just real, raw, what's going on in our lives, stuff we can't talk about on the show. However, if you are easily offended, Patreon is not for you. That's not the place to be, all right? You can learn more about it by going to patreon.com forward slash The Shalene Show. Any of the links that I referenced in this episode will show up in the show notes, which are just below the episode. To learn more about the services that I offer and to take advantage of some of the free resources, I invite you to check out my website, which can be found at shaleen.com. Hold up. 